You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. Good morning, church. My name is Luke Harding, and I'm the Next Generations Pastor here at Ridgecrest. And as we begin today, I do want to say Happy Mother's Day uh, to all of the mothers that are here in this room. Um, we are so very thankful for you. Uh, and, and as we get started, um, I, want, I want to talk to you just a, a little bit about something interesting that I see around the Springfield area, okay? Um, many of you know that I come from an agriculture background. Uh, if God hadn't called me to ministry, I'd be uh, living my life somewhere in the agriculture industry. Uh, but... Agriculture these days is big business, but it's also still family business, okay? Uh, just big family business, okay? But oftentimes in the agriculture world, you find these family farms, family businesses that have been passed down from generation to generation. You have uh, the same family farming the same land for um, decades upon decades, okay? And there's a term for this. Uh, they're called heritage farms, okay? A heritage farm is a farm that has been the same land farmed for multiple generations, okay? Missouri Extension has two kind of names and awards they give to some of these farms, okay? It says um, a landowner with farms that have been in the same family for 100 years, those are called century farms, okay? And then a 200-year or more farm is called a founding farm, okay? Now, listen, in Greene County, there are 132 century farms in our county. Uh, there is the oldest of which is, was established in 1832, okay? So even here in our county, we see lots of those. Uh, but what... Uh, this is, a, this is a, a designation, an award that's given to a family, and let me be clear, it makes the land they farm no more valuable to a realtor, but it makes the land incredibly more valuable to the family because it's part of their family. It is who they are, okay? So what's fascinating is around the Springfield area, we find lots of farms that the town has literally overtaken the farm, okay? And you'll see these all over the place. There's actually one just a block down from my house. Subdivision all around. I mean developed as can be, yet right in the middle you find a couple acres with a farmhouse and a barn on it, okay? One of the most interesting ones in the entire town, um, I think we have a picture of it here, is um, there's one over by the, the new Menards over on the west side of town. Literally like the whole town is building around it. There's, there's retailers, there's Walmart, Menards, yet you still see uh, this farmstead right here in the middle, okay? And, and to be fair, I don't know who owns this farm, but I find it fascinating every time I drive by. Why is it that a family like this does not sell their land? Um, it's not because it's not valuable. It's actually worth lots of money, but it means something to the family. They hold on to this property because it means something to them. It's part of their heritage, and no amount of development is going to take that away from them. Okay, as we begin this morning, here's what I want you to know. Today I want you to understand that we also have a heritage that's far more valuable than any piece of farmland or any heirloom that you might have. And as Christian parents, it is our responsibility to pass down to our children this godly heritage. The zeal that these farmers guard their farmland with should pale in comparison to the zeal that we as Christian parents pass down our godly heritage to our children. So today we're going we're gonna to be studying a, a lady of the Bible that you might not know. We're gonna, this mother, her name is Eunice. Raise your hand if you know who Eunice is. Anybody know? I've asked a lot of people this week and... 
Not many people do, okay? It's okay if you don't. Don't feel bad. You will after today. Okay, so turn in your Bible with me uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to actually be in a couple spots. We're going to cover all the passages that discuss Eunice. You will be an expert on this mother named Eunice before you leave here, okay? 2 Timothy 2 chapter 1. And if you will stand with me as we read God's word. 2 Timothy 2 chapter 1. Um, we're going to start in verse 2. It says, To Timothy... My beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, and as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. And then, verse 5, here's the important part. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Let's pray together as we begin. God, we, we love you. And Lord, as we come here and we serve you, um, we, we do celebrate the mothers um, that are here in this room, the mothers that have been influential in our lives. And we look to this, this mother of the Bible, and Lord, I pray that you'd help us to learn how to be faithful in the world that we live in and how to pass down our godly heritage to uh, the next generation that follows us. God, we love you. We thank you for today and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. You may be seated. Um, go ahead. You can flip over to Acts 16. That's where we're going to be next. But today's sermon is titled, The Influence of a Godly Mother. And we're introducing you to this lady named Eunice. Okay? If you, I, I like to take my sermons and boil them down to one sentence. So if you want one sentence, you boil a whole sermon down to one sentence, it's this. Okay? Ready? In a Kardashian world, be like Eunice, okay? If you don't know who the Kardashians are, come talk to me later, okay? But in a world that celebrates pop culture, sin, worldliness, and everything that goes with it, in a culture that celebrates that, don't be like that, be like Eunice, because that's exactly what we find here in the text of what Eunice is doing here with her son, Timothy. So in a Kardashian world, be like Eunice, we're going to look at four ways that you can be like Eunice, okay? This is a parenting message, but if you don't have children living in your house, don't check out. I've got some good stuff for you along the way, because we also need to be faithful in that world that we live in, okay? So... We're going to dig in, and we're going to start in Acts 16. Uh, today's going to be a little bit more of like a character study than, than sitting on one text, okay? Acts 16 is where we first meet Timothy and Eunice in the Bible. And this is what the Word of God says. Acts 16, verse 1, it says, Paul came to Derbe and Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, okay? And so, uh, Paul comes and he meets Eunice, Lois, and Timothy, and they are active disciples of Christ, and he, he, he takes Timothy along with him, okay? And so, Timothy, his mother was Eunice, his grandmother was Lois, and, and Paul is giving credit here to the faith that he grew up in, okay? So, the point number one, the first thing we see here, if you want to be like Eunice, okay, how to be like Eunice in the Kardashian world, first thing is, be faithful in imperfect circumstances. Be faithful in imperfect circumstances, okay? We learn a couple really interesting things here. It says, Timothy is the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek, okay? So, Ju uh, Eunice was a Jew by race, Okay? And she had been converted to Christianity when Paul came through on his first missionary journey. We read about that in Acts 14. 
All right? And then he leaves and he comes back through and meets them again in Acts chapter 16. So uh, most likely Timothy was also saved in that first missions journey that, that Paul made through that area. But we learned something else interesting here. It says, but his father was a Greek. Okay? Uh, we don't know for sure, but most likely this means Eunice was married to an unbeliever. The Bible never once mentions Timothy's dad's name and never once indicates that he ever trusted Christ and followed him. Okay? Most likely we see that Eunice is living in a family situation of a, a believer and an unbeliever. To be clear, we're not saying Eunice did anything wrong here. We're just being honest to say that that brings some challenging uh, family difficulties sometimes. Okay? This is an an imperfect situation that Eunice is being faithful in, okay? Um, and so Eunice, uh, she didn't allow this to become an excuse, okay? She was most likely getting no spiritual support from her husband for herself or her for kids, yet she was faithful. Be faithful in imperfect circumstances. All right. Not only was their family unit imperfect, they lived in an imperfect world. All right. The, the Greek culture that they lived in was very pagan and they chased after any idol they could find. Fascinatingly, in, in Acts 14, we read and learn that even when Paul came and did a couple miracles, the people in that town literally tried to worship him as a god also, all right, so they are doing anything, they're chasing after any idol they possibly can find, and that is the culture that Eunice is trying to raise a son in. That is a challenging culture to be raising a son in, okay? And so that, the culture she lived in was contrary to the gospel and far from perfect, um, and yet she was faithful even in that imperfect circumstance. So listen, whether you're a parent here or not, you live in an ungodly world that chases after sin and idols. We all must be like Eunice and seek faithfulness in the midst of our imperfect circumstances. I don't know what imperfect circumstances are in your life right now, but I know there are some, okay? There always will be. We shouldn't be surprised by imperfect circumstances. God calls us to be faithful even in the midst of them. We see Eunice didn't obsess on those imperfections. The key here is, we'll see when we get to point four, the key is that she always followed the word of God and pointed her son to do the same, okay? So I'm going to steal my punchline at the end. She didn't obsess on the imperfections. She followed the word of God, okay? Let me make one last thing, comment, one last comment here. Uh, it doesn't necessarily come from our text, but it's kind of the elephant in the room, uh, always on a Mother's Day. We've discussed it a couple times. You may be here, and today is, is kind of bittersweet because you may uh, be remembering the loss of a mother or the loss of a child. Let me tell you, that is also an imperfect circumstance, and that is not how God created our world to be, okay? That's not how it was supposed to be, yet these are the imperfect circumstances we find them in. My family has also walked that, that bitter road. Um, I, I have literally held my daughter in my arms and watched her die, okay? That is an imperfect circumstance that I never want to go through again, and I hope um, we see less and less, and, and, and I would never want that to happen. But here's the thing. God didn't answer all the questions my family asked. He rarely does, but he called us to be faithful in imperfect circumstances, and he helped us to do it, okay? Do not be surprised by imperfect circumstances that come your way. Um, if we want to be like Eunice, we are to be faithful in the midst of those circumstances, okay? Um, flip 
with me back over to 2 Timothy. We're done there in Acts. Back to 2 Timothy where we began at. 2 Timothy 1. And we're going to see in the verses we read just a moment ago. Point number two. If you want to be like Eunice, you need to be faithful in imperfect circumstances and own your discipleship responsibilities. She owned her discipleship responsibilities. Verse 5. In 2 Timothy 1 chapter 5, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Okay, uh, So Eunice took responsibility for her son's spiritual growth. Not only, we all know that's our responsibility, but she owned it. Okay, She took responsibility and owned it. She followed through and did it, and Paul is giving her credit here. Now, to be clear, okay? You do not inherit your faith from your parents. If you are here today and you think you are a Christian simply because your mom or dad was a Christian, you are sorely wrong, okay? Timothy himself had his own moment in which he trusted Christ as Savior, chose to follow him, admitted his sins, and believed in him, and committed to follow him all of his days, okay? He had that moment, we find it most likely, in Acts chapter 14. But he was influenced by his mother Eunice. She had a role in it. All of us here, if we are believers, you have been influenced by someone who has helped guide you to the gospel, okay? You do not inherit your faith from your parents, but your parents are extremely influential in guiding you to that faith, okay? So Paul credits Timothy's faith to Eunice and Lois. Parents, there is no one in your kid's life that is more spiritually influential than you are. Parents, you must be the primary disciple maker of your kids. No one has more potential to influence a child's relationship with God than a parent. That is how God created the family unit. Parents are the primary disciple makers of their kids, okay? Uh, part of the reason for this is just the sheer amount of time that you spend with your kids, all right? Statistically, statistically, a church kid spends 40 hours a week in church-related activities and 3,000 hours a week, uh, not a week, not 40 hours a week, 40 hours a year in church-related activities, but 3,000 hours a year with their parents, okay? What you can do in 3,000 hours a year is far greater than what your pastors and staff can do with the small, short, 40-hour window we get every year, okay? You spend the bulk of your time, you are responsible for leading your kids to the faith, okay? You're not responsible for their salvation, but you are responsible to lead them and show them the gospel, okay? No one is more influential. Paul gives Eunice full credit for discipling her son because she took responsibility herself to lead his faith, okay? Now, Listen, you can only pass down to someone something that you already have, all right? My mom says that she had to learn algebra four times in her life. The first time when she went through school, and then three different times when me or my siblings went through algebra in school. Because she said she, she was not very math inclined, okay? And she had to relearn it every single time. Because you can't teach someone, you can't teach your kids something that you don't already know yourself. That's true of the faith also. You must possess the faith that you want to pass down to your kids. If you want to disciple your kids, you must first disciple yourself, okay? There's two key words here. 
Two key words. Look back in the text here in verse 5. 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. Two key words, and it is sincere and dwelt. Grand, uh, to, Timothy's grandmother and mother possessed a sincere faith. All right, It was a sincere faith. It wasn't just that shallow faith in name only. It was sincere. You Listen, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to teach your kids the Bible, but you do need a sincere faith because your kids are watching you and they want to make sure your life matches with the word of God that you're teaching them. If your life is not sincere, it doesn't matter what you teach them, okay? You don't have to be a Bible scholar to teach your kids the Bible, but you do need a sincere faith. Listen, your kids are watching you. One, one author I was reading as, as I was studying this, uh, she said, Lois and Eunice lived their faith. Timothy saw genuine examples of faithfulness. Their lives were devoted to God even when the company left the house. They were genuine, not perfect, but real. Their sincerity is what won Timothy to the faith. Okay? It has to be a sincere faith, and the other key word there was dwelt. It has to be a word that it has to be a faith that dwells deep inside of you. If Randy Copeland was teaching teaching this sermon, he'd start talking about the abiding principle right now, okay? It has to dwell deep inside of you. It has to be a faith that you own yourself. If you want to disciple your kids, you must first disciple yourself. Now, one last point before we move off this. When we need, if we need to own our discipleship responsibilities, listen, grandparents, you are not off the hook, okay? Look back at the text. I get the idea here that Lois did her fair share of discipling Timothy. To be clear, she was not the parent, but I think she did her share there, okay? I don't think that Lois did her job to disciple Eunice and then sat around waiting for the day when she could spoil Timothy and hype him up on candy and send him back home, okay? I hear that sentiment all the time, and I know it's funny, but grandparents, your role as disciple makers of your grandkids is more than just spoiling them, hyping them on candy, and laughing about your kids getting what they deserve, okay? That's funny, but that is not owning your discipleship responsibilities. Grandparents, you have a role in doing this too. Do not, I, I've talked to, I'm not pointing anybody out, but I know I've talked to so many senior adults, and when they're talking about kids ministry or parenting, and they say, I did my time. If you've ever said that, do not ever tell me that ever again. I do not want to hear you say that, okay? Because you didn't do your time. You have done your time when you get to heaven, okay? Until you get there, your time and discipling the next generation is not over, okay? Um, baby boomers, listen to me. We need you. We need you so badly. Your grandkids need you. Our ministries need you. You are not done. If you have retired from discipling the next generation, then you better pray real hard about, where, about how you are taking your discipleship responsibilities seriously. I'll calm down. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That was the, got off of my notes there. Okay, uh, let's just say we, we all know, you, you know those grandparents that you've seen either in your family or observed who did this well, and they leveraged their time that they spent with their kids to teach them and guide them to the faith. I'm not saying you have to sit down with your grandkids and teach them a Bible lesson, okay? I learned a lot about scripture sitting on a fishing boat with my grandpa from a union blue-collar welder who he, 
man, yeah. You know those grandparents who have done this well, okay? So uh, let's move on. Point number three, if you want to be like Eunice in a Kardashian world, you need to capitalize on spiritual mentors. Now, I hope point number three here does not undermine what I just said in point number two, okay? Parents are the primary disciple makers that are kids. They always will be. Don't let anyone take that responsibility away from you. But you do need to help find your kids spiritual mentors because your kids live in that same Kardashian world and if their only influences are coming from that world, then you are not doing a very good job of passing down their faith. Now listen, to be clear, they have to spend their time in that world too, okay? Um, but they need spiritual mentors in the faith. Okay, look up, we're still in 2 Timothy chapter 1, look up in verse 2, it says, to Timothy, my beloved child. In, in 1 Timothy, he calls him my true child in the faith. Listen, Paul viewed himself as Timothy's spiritual father. Parents, we aren't Paul, but we want to partner with you. Our Next Gen Ministries is built around this concept where we believe you are the primary disciple makers of your kids, and we want to partner with you to equip you and be those spiritual mentors in your kids' life, okay? We aren't doing your job for you. We are not the primary disciple makers of your kid, but we do want to fill that spiritual mentor role, okay? You can find those, those mentors here at the church, all sorts of other places, but you need to help guide your kids to those. Listen, um, if you're here in this room and you don't have kids at home, maybe, maybe you're single, maybe you're married and don't have kids, maybe you're an empty nester, um, if there's kids not in your home, this is where you find your role here, okay? Paul, the, the road that God led Paul down in his life was a life of not having any biological kids of his own, yet he still found a spiritual son of the faith that he mentored and guided, okay? And so this is a situation of influence, not family structure. Did you hear that? This is a situation of influence, not family structure. Just because there are no kids that live in your home, you can still have influence on the next generation, but you need to look around you and find them, okay? Um, listen, we have, uh, we, we are... We are part of a, a, a spiritual family here. You are part of a church family. You may not have any kids. Um, part of that next-gen ministry that we, we talk about, those preschool kids or students, you may not have any of those living in your home, yet you are filled and part of a spiritual family that is filled with those. We have over 200 preschool kids and students that come here every single Sunday, and it takes an army of influencers and spiritual mentors to guide and direct them, okay? So, so you, can, you, you do have a role here as being part of our church family. If that excites you and God stirs something within you, come talk to me later. We can connect you and help you do it. But even more than that, we live in a world where there are spiritual orphans everywhere. Every block of our city has spiritual orphans that are living there. These are, these are kids who have a, a biological mom and dad yet no one's spiritually guiding them, okay? Will you help us find those spiritual orphans? My guess is that for most of us, there is a spiritual orphan that lives within five doors of your house or five doors of your apartment, okay? 
find them. You can have that influence on the next generation. You have to look around you and find them. Will you find those families that have young people that literally are your neighbors? And will you build an intentional relationship with them? Okay? Don't walk down to them and say, hey, I'm here to be your kid's spiritual mentor. Okay? Um, No. Build a legitimate, real relationship with them um, and allow God to use it to guide. Okay? Um, I was telling our kids just last week, if you want, we were talking about missionaries. And I said, if you want to be a missionary, literally the easiest way you can ever be a missionary is to invite your friends to come to Vacation Bible School, okay? The easiest way for you to help us um, find those families and connect with them is if you will make connections, build relationships with those families that live near you and invite them to come to Vacation Bible School next month. Or better yet, you're going to hear, be hearing more about some backyard kids clubs that we're wanting to do. Um, will you partner with us and help us take the gospel to your neighborhood if you have lots of those families living right within you, okay? Help us find that. You have a role in this even if you don't have kids that live in your house, okay? So point number four, we're, we're coming to the end here, and this is where it gets practical, okay? Point number four, if you want to be like Eunice, you need to pass down the Word of God. If you want to be like Eunice, you need to pass down the Word of God, okay? I want you to flip in your Bible probably one page over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy 3, Paul comes back to this idea, and he says in chapter 3, verse 14, he says, But he's talking to Timothy and he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from when? When? Childhood. You have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for what? Salvation. That's terrible. You guys got to have better audience participation. Make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Parenting is one of the hardest things you will ever do, but it's not complicated, okay? It's one of the hardest things you'll ever do, but it's not complicated. If you want to lead your kids to the faith, if you want to disciple your kids in the faith, pass down the Word of God to them. Read them the Bible. There is nothing in your kid's life that will have a bigger spiritual impact than the Word of God itself, If you want to lead your kids in the faith, read them the Bible. It wasn't Eunice that saved her son. It was the Word of God that saved her son. It was not Eunice's faith that transferred to Timothy. It was his faith in Christ Jesus that he found where? In the Word of God. Okay? If you want to disciple your kids in the faith, you must pass down the Word of God. God to them. Okay? The influence of a godly parent isn't about being perfect. It's about pointing your kids to the Lord and letting the Word of God do the work of God. But if you do not point them to the Word of God, do not expect the work of God to be happening very often in their life. It's about connecting and teaching your kids and pointing them to the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to do the work of God. All right? Um, That is how we disciple and mentor and lead our kids in the faith. It is only the Word of God that is able to make your kids wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay? Um, Really practical. We're going to get even more practical here. Okay? Two two little things here we see in the text. Two words I want to point out that help us understand how we do this. First off, um, it says from childhood. Okay? 
from childhood. Uh, Eunice did not wait until her kid was a student to start discipling her, to, to start discipling him, okay? She started from childhood. So listen, the younger, the better, okay? My son is 10 months old, and he can barely even pronounce daddy, but... I read him the scripture last night, okay, a little children's Bible, and I mean it's a paragraph, but the point is, I don't know when the right moment is that a kid can begin comprehending scripture, so I'm going to back up way early, and I'm going to start then, and the Lord can take care of the rest, okay, the younger, the better, but I will say this, it's never too late to start, okay, read them the word of God, this looks different in preschool kids and students, if you have a student, read the word of God with them, okay, Um, but start young, and then the other thing it says here is, the word continue, okay? Underline that there in your Bible. The word continue. The key here is consistency. Following the Lord is about consistency. Always, always, always. It's about base hits, not home runs, okay? Consistently, from childhood, every day, you're teaching your kids and guiding them just a little bit every single day. As I said earlier, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. Just read them the Bible consistently. Teach it to them and let the word of God do the work of God, okay? God's word is telling us, this is important. Listen, to tie back all the way to the beginning. God's word is telling us, don't just pass down the farm to your kids. Pass down the word of God. Don't just pass down the family heirloom to your kids. Listen, I know you're not selling grandpa's baseball cards or that ugly china that your grandma gave you, but you're gonna pass that down to your kids, okay? You... Also, don't just pass down those family heirlooms. Pass down the word of God to them, okay? Um, I, I went to seminary in North Carolina, and I forgot a lot of the things that I learned. But one thing stuck out to me, and it's carried with me more than anything else. I was at a marriage and family conference that the, the president of the seminary, um, Dr. Aiken, was teaching. Um, and, he, and he told us something about parenting that I'll never forget. So I'm plagiarizing it. It's not plagiarizing. I just cited my source, okay? Um, so I got this from Dr. Aiken, but he said, he, he told us, you know, my, my wife Hannah and I were there, and we were young, well, we, we were young married, we didn't have any kids, and he said, guys, listen, parenting can feel, sound really complicated, there's tons of books that you can read, you're never going to feel like you do a good enough job, but if you do two things, two things, you'll be discipling your kids. He said, all you have to do is teach them to love Jesus and have fun with them. He said, you do those two things, and you will be discipling your kids. And I remember thinking, what? That blew my mind. And for the first time in my life, I thought, wow, cool. I think I could do this parenting thing. And I, that has guided me ever since, okay? Uh, so I've added one to it myself. So if you want Luke Harding's parenting philosophy, this is it. Three things. I added one coming from the text here. Read your kids the Bible. Teach them to love Jesus. And have fun with them. There's a whole lot of other things you can learn about parenting. But if you do those three things right, you will be discipling your kids. Read them the Bible, teach them to love Jesus, and have fun with them. Today, as, as, our, as our band comes back forward and as we wrap this to a close, listen, I want to remind you, we do live in a pagan world just like Eunice did. Um, and I know it can, we, can, we can obsess on all the things we see going wrong but we can be faithful just like Eunice, okay? Um, Moms, I need you to hear me say this. Your kids are probably crazy today, but don't stress about it. If you do these four things, you are discipling your kids. They might be crazy today, but just be faithful in imperfect circumstances. Own the discipleship responsibility that God has given you 
Find um, them spiritual mentors of the faith and just teach them and read them the word of God. If you do those four things, you are well on your way to discipling your kids. For some of you here, you may be in that group that doesn't have kids living in your home, and God may be working in your heart. Uh, Just because kids don't live in your home does not mean you are not a spiritual influence on the next generation. You have no excuse not to be a spiritual influence on the next generation. Our faith is always one generation away from dying. Okay? We need your help in being a church family and guiding those kids, finding them, bringing them with you, sharing the gospel with them. For some of you here, you may be um, that person who, when I was talking earlier, and you, may, you may have realized that you thought you're a Christian all along just because your mom and dad are Christians. And you might have realized for the first time today, oh snap, maybe I'm not. Okay? You, like Timothy, need a moment that you choose to give your life to Christ, to trust Christ in salvation, to admit your sins, believe in him, and commit to follow him all of your days. If that's you here today, we're going to have some pastors here at the front. Don't wait any longer, okay? You're not inheriting this faith. You must own it for yourself. If that's you, come. And one of our pastors, we'd love to talk with you of how you can have the same faith that we see in Lois, in Eunice, and in Timothy. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us, or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.